0: Here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to read some scripture to you tonight out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, and in verse 15, let's see what the Word says, and when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your Word, Father. Thank you for all these wonderful testimonies, God. I thank you for life. Father, I thank you for the strength to stand up tonight and declare your word. God, I pray that you'd teach us by your spirit. God, encourage us. Show us what you'd have us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to go through some verses tonight and try to pull out some truth. I tell you all this because I want you to understand it. My big purpose on Wednesday nights and many Sunday nights is just to give you an idea of what you should be doing when you read the Bible to show you how I approach a text, to show you how you can break Scripture down and understand it, because we should be reading the Bible. There, this, the reports show that it is a pitifully small percentage of born-again Christians that even declare that they read their Bible on a regular basis, and we need to be in that percentage. We need to be in that group of people that is sure enough saved, that is for real in this to win this and not playing around. We need to be true disciples, true followers of Jesus Christ, and we need to be reading our Bible. But sometimes if you read it and you just gloss over it, you really didn't benefit yourself that much. You need to learn how to read it, slow it down, break it down, and try to understand something out of it. That's why I tell you when I read my proverb of the day in the morning, I'm always looking for at least one thing that I can focus on for the whole day. In the military, uh, we talk about having your marching orders for the day. And I try to get my marching orders from the day for my morning reading. Um, and and I, I got hit with with a load from this morning scripture uh, that that was very applicable. And I believe that because Proverbs is just bullet point after bullet point, wisdom shot after wisdom shot, I believe that if you will read that proverb of the day in the morning, God will give you something to concentrate on throughout the day that you can keep in your mind, that will keep your Christianity fresh and active and keep Jesus on your mind. But I want to just go through these and show you uh, how to really study the Bible. Here we see Jesus doing ministry, and Jesus says that... Uh, he 's talking about going to a feast, they 're talking about suppers and dinners, and in verse 15 it says, "One of them that sat and meat with him heard these things and said, "Blessed is he that eats bread in the kingdom." it 's a guy looking forward to eating bread. Now, when we get to heaven, there 's going to be what Scripture calls the marriage supper of the lamb. It 's going to be a big party, it 's going to be a throwdown. it 's going to be a massive feast. And there are people that know how to throw a good party, and there are people that don't know how to throw a good party. There are people that know how to put a party together, and there are people who don't. I am very confident that God knows how to throw a party. I There, there are people that just, no matter what they tell you, they just can't cook. They just cannot cook. Their greens are never right. Their cornbread is bad. They just can't. They brag on their potato salad, and it, it tastes worse than Winn-Dixie out of the plastic. They just Cannot, but I'm really confident that God can cook. And I'm glad we get to eat in heaven. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know what, what, what type of food is going to be, but I'm glad we get to eat in heaven. And this says, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. Then said he to him, A certain man made a great supper. Jesus is going to make a, make a story out of this so we can learn something from it. He says, There's a man that made a great supper and bade many. Now, when you look at a parable, a parable, basic definition is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. This is the way Jesus taught. He taught about natural things to try to get his people to understand spiritual truth. It's a teaching style called first natural, then spiritual. He talked to farmers in agricultural terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. He talked to fishermen in fishing terms to get them to understand spiritual spiritual truth and here he is talking about this great supper when you study a parable you got to understand the word parable is the greek word parabole and it literally means to lay two things beside each other it's a comparison it's looking at one thing to see another and you want to try to figure out who the big players are you want to try to figure out what's going on that this relates to spiritually But the problem many people get into when they start looking at parables is they try to break them down too much. They try to look at every minute detail and say, okay, well, if this person represents God and this person represents Jesus, what does the fact that the man looked to his left represent? Your heart's on the left side of your body, so maybe he had a bad heart. You're not supposed to try to break down every minute detail of a parable. In studying parables... The thing that you should be looking for, and I've told you this for years, how many main points should you be looking for? One. One main point is what you need to be looking for, and we want to try to figure out what Jesus is saying. He says that a certain man made a great supper and bade or invited many. Anybody know who this man is with the supper, giving out the invitations? This is God the Father. God has a banquet, and he's inviting a lot of people. Verse 17 said, he sent his servant at supper, time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. So, the servants of the man giving out the invitations. Who's the servants? That's us. Say us. Okay, so verse 18. And they with all one consent began to make excuse. This is, who is this talking about? us and these people are making what guess what we do we make excuses one man said behind every excuse is a lack of desire when you find yourself making excuses for why you do or don't do something understand what the bottom line is you just don't want to I hear people make excuses all the time about spiritual things. I hear people say, Pastor, I didn't get to do my morning devotion because I was running late and I just didn't have any time to get it done. You put on pants before you left the house. You had time to, to rinse the toothpaste out of your mouth before you left the house. Hopefully, if, if you used the bathroom, you took time to wipe, amen, and, and to throw that away in the toilet and not just let it fall on the floor, right? Uh, To say that you don't have the time is an excuse that really is hiding the lack of desire. And so these people that represent us, they begin to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. He's begging the man with the party to say, please excuse me from it because I got something important to do. I bought a piece of ground, and I got to go see it. Now, here's the thing about excuses. Whether they're good excuses or bad excuses, excuses don't fly in the kingdom of God. God is not accepting excuses. No matter how much you beg to be excused, God knows what the real deal is. But this isn't even a good excuse. I bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. So this man bought a piece of ground he never saw? What, he scoped it out on the Internet, wired him to cash? It wasn't that type of world back then. This man is a liar. And most excuses that pertain to what God is asking us to do are shrouded and covered up by lies. I told you all what the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said regarding all these people that make excuses as to why they don't come to church and why they don't pay tithes and why they don't follow God. He said, away with your excuses. Enough. Enough. I would rather that you plainly say to me that you hate my God and his son Jesus Christ and you have no desire in your heart to follow him at all. I'm done with you. Be gone and chase headlong after hell. Well, you can't preach like that in America when you're trying to, you know, fill up seats. But we're not trying to fill up seats. We're trying to make sure people get to heaven. And we're trying to make sure that as believers that we are good followers and good servants. These are not good servants. God has got a job for these people to do. He's telling them, you all got to go out and and you got to invite people to come to this thing. You got to come to this supper. And they're all making excuses. This dude says, mm, I, got, I just bought something and I need to go see it. It's a lie and it's a flimsy excuse. He can't see it tomorrow. Can't see it the next day. Can't see it on his time. You ever notice how things get really urgent when it's on God's time? Oh, pastor, I couldn't come. To to Bible study on Wednesday night, uh, you know, because I had to whatever. Oh, they don't Walmart's not open on Thursday? You couldn't have done that on Tuesday? That that had to be done between seven and eight fifteen on Wednesday. That's how we do. It goes on to say in verse 19, another said, now what what's this other person representing? This servant represents who? Us. Say us. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, that's ten. And I go to prove them. I pray you have me excused. Okay, similar situation. Both these people are talking about something that they put their money into. And you know people care more about money than obeying God. They're talking about what they value. And people put their own value system on things. And many times what we value is not what God values. And if we value something that God doesn't value, he's right and we're wrong. This man says, uh, yeah, I just bought 10 ox, and, and I need to go, you know, work them a little bit. I need to go try them out in the field. Uh, please excuse me. Same, same scenario. Are you kidding me? You just bought 10 ox, and you don't even know if you can hook them up together? You just bought 10 ox, and, and you got to go try them out, what, on the party night? Like, you can't do that tomorrow? You can't do that next week? These aren't even good excuses. Verse 20 says, and another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, that's as close to a real excuse as we've seen so far. (laughs) Right? Hey, I'm Chris. i tell you, you can come home with that $200. You got one person to be concerned about. And it ain't the neighbor. It's the wife. But this is not a real excuse either. This is just another bogus attempt. Uh, it's it's a better made-up excuse than I need to go look at a field I just paid money for, because we know that's a lie. I need to go see if these ten ox can yoke up two at a time and be five yoke. We know that's a lie. He says, I I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Okay, so we laugh, and we know, you know, mm, you know women can be tough. They can be tricky. You better get home, but... It's not a real excuse. Why not bring your wife to the party? What kind of wife would rather you come home nasty and smelly and dirty and doing nothing but asking for more sweet tea when she could have got dressed up and went out to God's party? These are not good excuses. You say, well, you're right, Pastor, they're not good excuses. Your excuses aren't any better, and neither are mine. Whatever it is, everybody that didn't come tonight made an excuse about why they can't come. Boy, people's head sure does hurt more on church hour than any other hour of the week. Pastor, I was getting up, getting ready to come, and I just had a headache sitting on me. Pastor, I, I was going to come to midweek Bible study, but, but I realized that I got to go to work early tomorrow, and I had to get gas in my car, and there's just so much power, I just, I just had to take care of some things. These are flimsy excuses. The excuses these people had then are bad, and the excuses that we have now are bad. The Bible talks about in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, To love not the world neither things that are in the world. For whosoever loves the world, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. You want to know if you're truly saved you want, or, or just have religion? You want to know if, you're going, if God's going to let you into heaven or you're going to get turned away at the gate? You need to put a love-o-meter on your love for the world, and if it's on top half, you're in real big trouble. Your love for the world should be very low to non-existent. The Bible says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are of the world." That's why when I see these people sold out to music, when I see people sold out to music that does not honor God, and it just—and they'll tell you. It is it, what drives me. I'm just wired up that way. Music's my thing. Well, you better get God to be your thing, or you better find some Christian music you can fall in love with. There really now is no excuse for not listening to Christian music. When I first got saved, there was, there was just boring Christian music. It was uh, all one style. It all sounded the same. I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, but now there's every kind of Christian music in the world. You need to get your kids on some Christian music. You don't need to let your children love the world living in your home. I've had people tell me, you know, when you're not around, they're going to, whatever. They're not going to do it in front of me. I'm not just going to lay down and give up. I'm going to continue to set the standard. There's a high standard in Christianity. And later in this chapter, if you go home and read this chapter tonight, you'll find out Jesus said you shouldn't even get into this thing if you ain't in it to win it. You should count the cost and, and figure out, is this something you want to be? Is this really what do you really want to be a Christian? Now see, in 2017, west side of Jacksonville, Duval, Clay County, it's not a whole lot of price to pay for being a Christian. It's just easy. It it just, you know, you come to church when you want to. These people suffered persecution. What if we ever had the, the script flipped on us and we really had to start suffering some persecution? Well, what if the, the, you know, the zombie squad stood out in front of every church on church night and they started writing down the license tags of everybody who was pulling into church parking lots? What if they were taking pictures, Uh uh-huh, you want them church going, we're getting your information. What if there really started to be a cost for coming to church? I mean, we, churches all over America are empty on Sundays and Wednesdays and making it easy as possible. Jesus said you got to count a cost. There's a cost to following him. And all these people making these excuses, the bottom line is they're just not willing to pay the cost. They want everything on their terms. I told you all before, I, I, I love the fact that God allowed me to serve in the Army. It's some of the best years of my life, and I believe that I just had incredible trainers. I had incredible teachers and leaders. Uh, the drill sergeant I had in basic training was, was just the most impressive man you could ever imagine drill sergeant robson told us all the time uh this ain't burger king you're not gonna have it your way you're gonna have it the army way and that preparation that i went through in the army prepared me well for service in the kingdom of god because we live in a world where people want it their way you don't have to teach them that they come out of the womb like that they want it their way It's mine, 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 and if they don't get what they want, they'll take their ball and go home, and and, and that's that. you got to make sure that you're not a have-it-your-way Christian. You need to be a have-it-God's-way Christian. We call ourselves Christian, that means follower of Christ. What did Jesus say coming up on the most difficult thing that God ever told him to do, which was go and let them kill him? Jesus said, if there's any other way that we can accomplish your plan, let's, let's talk about that. But if there's not, let your will be done and not mine. Would you rather have God's plan and your discomfort or your comfort against God's plan? You can't have both. You don't see people having both. That's that's why it burdens me that people watch all this foolishness on TV they call Christian television and and, and gospel preaching. The stuff I hear on there, it's ridiculous. Come to God, and he's going to give you double for your trouble. Sow a $9 seed, and God's going to give you a hundredfold blessing. This is all manipulation and insanity. And if you're writing that stuff on your Facebook, hide it from me. Delete me. Block me. Unfriend me. Click amen and send it to five people, and your miracle's going to come through. You can't manipulate God on miracles like that. God, God's, about, God's about to give you a financial blessing. If you agree, click, aim, click like. You're begging for likes on Facebook manipulating God. That it don't work that way. But we got a whole culture of people that really believe that. I can send you. I, can, I see at least 100 people saying foolishness like that every day on Facebook. Why? Because they want both. And here's what I want you to get. If you don't get anything else out of tonight's teaching, this is what I want you to get. God is not going to give you both. It's going to be His way or your way. You're not going to have both. It's going to be His way or your way. You can't have both. If if you claim Christianity, you should at least say, I want to be a good Christian. I want to honor my Heavenly Father. I want my Heavenly Father to know that I love Him. Well, if that's your confession, then there's a price to be paid. My, my son, Jacob, part of his regular prayer, and, you know, I, I don't ride him for praying a lot of the same thing every night. You know, the Bible says don't pray in vain repetition, but I know he really means some of these things. He prays for some of the same things every night, and I'm cool with that because God said keep asking until you get it. And one of the things he asks consistently is that God would help him to make good choices so that his dad would be proud of him. Well, that's, that's a good prayer. But the Bible says you're snared by the words of your mouth. You say something, you set a trap for yourself. And so there's sometimes where Jake will be doing something, You frustrate me, and I'm like, just stop praying that God to help you to, to make me proud of you. If that's what you're going to do, then, then don't, don't ask God to let me be proud of you because I can't be proud of that kind of foolishness. So if you really want God to be proud of you, that's what every good child wants. You need to understand I can't have both. I can't do everything in the world that's comfortable to me and still please God. I can't do everything in life based on my preference and still please God. You need to find a way to make your leisure activities honorable to God. You need to find a way to make your enjoyment honorable to God. You need to find a way to make your job honorable to God. You need to be in ministry mode all the time. You need to realize when you go on your job, you are the voice of God on that job. I don't care if you're, if you're a landscaper or the president of the United States. If you're a Christian, you represent God on your job. And you need to go in there realizing, I'm God's ambassador in this building. I, I, I've, I've got a higher calling. The Bible says we've got to walk worthy of the vocation to which we've been called. We've been called to Christianity. I love what Dina said one time. We were talking about how people put so much expectation on the preacher and she said well the Bible doesn't say be ye holy and pastors be ye holier that's 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 not what it is we've all been called to be holy we've all been called to keep a standard we've all been called to do what God commands us to do now the real question is and it's just us in here let's be real are you more concerned about your comfort or are you more concerned about pleasing God when it comes to time to write your tithe out are you more concerned with your comfort or you more concerned with pleasing God. When it comes time to being on chur- in church, when it comes time to praying, I believe there ought to be at least two times of prayer a day. Uh, now, a lot of people have different ideas about prayer. And some people say that they've never spent an hour in straight prayer. Uh, I have. Uh, a lot of people say they don't pray long. They pray a lot of times throughout the day, and that's cool. That's, that's okay, but I think there ought to be at least two specific times of prayer every day. It, it's like uh, that, that song, that love song, I only think of you on two occasions, that day and night. You ought to wake up and pray, and you ought to pray before you go to sleep. You ought to go out of bed onto your knees and thank God for life and ask God to, to guide you and to lead you that day. And before you crawl back into bed, you ought to pray. We've got a young man that has done some, some work for the church. He invited my kids to come and be part of his jujitsu class this month, and so they're going out there to, to wrestle with him. And one of the things that they have to do, and this is common in, in most martial arts, when you go into the, the mat area, you have to bow in the doorway as you come in. And before you leave, you have to bow As you're leaving. So you bow in and you bow out. And they say you bow in as a recognition that you're going into something important and you wanna have your mind fully focused on what you're walking into. And you bow out in thanksgiving for what you've received during that time and that you want to have it impact you and hold on to it. Well, we ought to pray in and pray out every day. I want you to get it in your mind to pray in and pray out every day. When you get up in the morning, pray in. Before you do anything, before you go to the bathroom, before you, before you get on track, before you start doing anything, you need, to, you need to bow into God. You need to pray in, and you need to start your day with recognition of who God is. Before you close your day, you need to bow out. You need to pray your way out, and you need to get on your knees, and you need to thank God. My back has been in so much pain um, lately uh i understand sometimes being on your knees is physically difficult and sometimes it's not not that possible but if you're physically able you ought to rejoice in the fact that you are physically able enough to pray on your knees because i can promise you uh that there's times and there are people sometimes it's hard ain't it jimmy to, to bend, that, bend that body down there and creak them knees down there, every piece of you hurting, working hard all day long or having some chronic back issue. If you are physically able to get down on your knees, you ought to give God thanks for that. And when you get on your knees, you ought to thank Him that you, you have knees to get on, that, that you have the strength to get down and to get back up. And, and people ask me, why, why do you think it's important for me to get on my knees because Jesus got on his knees. The proper posture for prayer is is one of two ways. is laying flat out on your belly with your face to the ground or on your knees. These are signs, eastern signs of humility. These are signs of posture declaring your mindset. And if you watch people, They'll, they'll let you know. You can learn a lot about somebody from their body language. Now, you can't always learn stuff about people from their body language. You might read too much into it. Or she looked like she was, she was eyeballing me. And she, he was staring at me kind of hard. He, I thought he had some basin. in Talk to me with all that basin. in it. You can overthink stuff sometimes. But you really can learn a lot about people from their body language. And we need to have the proper posture when we approach God. And we need to get on our knees. Why? Another reason, you need to make yourself small in recognition of how big God is. You need to recognize, listen, I don't know who said said it. it. It had to be probably smoky, ain't too proud to beg. Too many people are too proud to get on their knees realizing I can't do this. I need help. You need to go to the holy God who alone is able to do it all, and you need to humble yourself and get on your knees and ask God to guide you and to help you. You need to pray in every day, and you need to pray out every day. We got these excuse makers. We got God the Father throwing a party, and we got these people he's inviting to it, excusing their way out of it. How ridiculous is that? That is awful. Well, you know what? God throws a party every Sunday morning here at 1030. Now, that's why you ought to be singing. Doesn't matter if you know the song. Doesn't matter if you love the song. You ought to be singing because God is here to be celebrated. We're here at his party, in his house, and we ought to participate in the rejoicing. If you came to my party and everybody in the room was clapping for me and coming over to the part of the house I'm in and you're just standing way away from everybody with your arms folded across your chest, staring at the floor and not joining in with everybody else, I'm not going to feel respected. I'm not going to feel like you want to be there. I look at some people sometimes and I wonder, "Why, why do they even come, Lord? What are they doing here? They look miserable to be here. They don't sing, they don't worship, they don't give, they don't serve in anything. They they don't act. Listen, maybe you are not able right now to do some of those things. Maybe you're in a spot right now where life is tough on you and all you can do is show up. Then show up and get stronger so you can be a rejoicing person. So you can be a worshiping person. So you can come in here and give God praise. So you can come in here and get involved in the party Ain't no sense in coming to a party without getting involved in it and without rejoicing in it. These people are invited to a party, and they bowed out and made excuses. Verse 21, it says, So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Come. Master of the house is who? God the Father. He's throwing a party for his children, and they don't want to come. See, this is one of the reasons I don't go to almost anything that someone's having in their home. When we were smaller, much smaller church, you say, well, how much smaller can we be? We used to have two people in church on Sunday night, me and Gail. We used There were times where, I mean, we started with 16 people. And, you know, everybody went to everything back then. Well, that's not feasible anymore. So if I go to... Ken's party, well, Ken doesn't have any children. If I go to Alyssa's daughter's birthday party, but then I don't go to Jimmy's daughter's birthday party, then what's that look like on me? It looks like favoritism. So my kids are like, hey, Dad, are we going to so-and-so's house today? I'm like, "Uh, son, we're not going. See, then I go into my excuse mode. Why? Because I can't be all places at all times. But if God said, I got a party going on this Sunday at 1030, I'm coming to that. We need to prioritize God's parties. Y'all worried about all that screaming? they just out there having fun. it would be all right. Somebody come got us if it was bad. If God invites you to a party, and here's the thing. If I asked each one of you, one at a time, if God invited you to a party next week, would you come? Everybody would say yes. Everybody who claimed Christ would say, yes, sir, I'm going to be there. I'll be there and I'm going to bring a gift. Okay, well, God is having a party on Sunday morning at 1030. Are you going to be there? Are you going to bring a gift? If your gift is just to come and smile, come and smile. If your gift is to come and sing and worship God, come and do that. But we need to not be this class of excuse-making Turning God down to participate in his party. Why? Because it makes him angry. God says that he became the master of the house being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. These are not the type of people that get invited to the rich man's party. Y'all know that. You don't get invited to these politicians' party. For the first two years that President Obama was in the White House, they every Wednesday they had a gala. Every Wednesday. And they did it throughout the whole eight years, but... It it didn't stay every week, but first two years, and they're bringing in Jay-Z to sing and Beyonce and, you know, having good food and good music and dancing and everybody, the who's who was there. Guess who didn't get invited? Me? I didn't get invited. Did you? No, we're not on the A-list when it comes to that level. And most of the people, the type people that were getting invited to this rich man's party, to to this great supper, they were the, the notable people. And they all made excuses on God. You know it's the same way now. Rich people don't have time for God. Some do, most don't. They trust in their riches. They trust in their wealth. They trust in their relationships. You know, you've heard the expression, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. The A-list people, they, they, they know it, and they know the right people that know it. And they get invited to these parties. But God was so upset that the A-listers wouldn't come to his party. He told the servants, just go out and get everybody. Go get crippled people. Go get homeless people. Go, go, go get blind people. Go get the poor. Go get the maimed, the injured, and the blind. Invite them to come in. Verse 22 said, the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is still room. They went out and invited all those people, and it wasn't, the, the party wasn't booked out. You know, it's a good party when you can't get in the door. You know, it's a good party when, when they're turning people away. We're full right now. When you got to wait, if two people leave, two people get to go in. That, that's a slamming party. But they're like, well, it ain't full. He's angry. He's angry. God is angry. You need to get this. God has emotions. The Bible says that we, tiny little insignificant human beings, can grieve God. I, I hear people, Jimmy used a good expression earlier in his testimony. People say stuff like, ah, it's "like water off a duck's back. It don't bother me a bit. You know what? Your lack of honoring God bothers him. It hurts his feelings. It upsets him. It grieves his spirit. And we need to make sure that we're in the group of people that honor God, not that anger God. They said, man, we went out and invited all those people in their still room. Verse 23, the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. All right, we talked about in a parable, you got to figure out who the players are. So we decided the Lord of the house, the, got the big party going on, represents who? The servants represent who? All right, so God is saying to us, go out into the highways, hedges, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. There are only four other times that this word compel is used in the Bible. The Greek word for this it, it is an aggressive word that commentators have argued over, and some theologians have, you know, taken the Malcolm X theory by any means necessary. God doesn't want you to do something by coercion. God doesn't want you to do something by force. When he says compel them to come in, He's not talking about arm twisting and offering free candy, but you need to have urgency in your invitation. You need to be serious about your invitation. I know, you know, most people are like, hey, if you're not doing anything Sunday, I'd love to have you come to church. That's Okay. But that's not going out and compelling them to come in. And I believe this with all my heart. One of the big differences between a soft invite and an urgent invite is whether or not you believe in hell. Do you believe there is a hell? If you believe there is a hell, and according to the surveys, uh, over 50% of churchgoers surveyed think that hell is metaphorical and not a real place hell is a real place and there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth jesus preached 16 recorded sermons while he was on this planet and 15 of them he preached about hell jesus two main subjects two of his main subjects His main subject was the the kingdom of the father but two of his big most talked about things while he was preaching on the earth was money and hell you know what people don't like to hear about in church? Money and hell. Oh, don't tell me I'm going to hell. Somebody better. Joel Osteen was on Larry King's talk show and pastor of the largest church in America on a nationally televised talk show, nationally syndicated radio show. And Larry King asked him about eternity. And his style of preaching. And he said, well, Larry, I don't really get into the whole heaven and hell thing. Uh, I don't feel like it's my job to make people feel bad when they come to church. You know, the world beats us up hard enough. I just like to make people happy when they come to church and and just be an encourager. Okay. Snowflake, I, I got you. Weak sauce. But here's the thing. If the building is on fire. And I know the building's on fire, and I'm just like, because I ain't got one blood relative in here, and the building's on Hey, this building's on fire. It's going to burn down everybody, and it's going to die. We got to go. I don't want to offend y'all, let y'all know you're about to be burned up in a building that's on fire. Sure I do. I'd rather risk offending you and getting you to safety than just not saying anything and letting this building fall down on you and burn you to death. We have got to get urgent about our invitation, our inviting people, because we're supposed to believe that hell is real. You are not, these preachers, Joel thinks he's doing people a favor by not making them feel bad and telling them they're going to hell. He is, he is doing them a disservice by patting them on the back on their way to hell. He needs to let them know, and we need to let the people that we care about know hell is a real place, and I don't want you to go there. I love Keith Green. He's my favorite singer, one of the only uh, singers that I listen to. And he's got a song to his parents where he's apologizing to his parents because they they think he's nagging, Uh, and and he talks about, I know every time we talk it seems as if I'm only trying to make you believe. But it's only that I care. I really, really only want just to see you there. And if you believe that hell is a real place, those ought to be your feelings toward mom and dad. Those ought to be your feelings toward aunts and uncles, cousins, friends, coworkers, neighbors. I I saw somebody debating about, it was Stacy, a great post you had the other day, people telling you that they want to see somebody go to hell. You better not want nobody to see nobody go to hell. You don't understand hell if that's your, if that's your take. I told y'all, um, I was raised in, in massive physical abuse. Even people talk about being abused. I'm talking about a massive physical abuse by a stepfather who hated me and, and, and did me much harm. And I really wanted to do a lot of harm back to him before I came to Christ. I told my mother one day after he had choked me out and left me bleeding on the kitchen floor. and She's sitting at the kitchen table crying. He stormed out and left the house because him and her got in a fight after he beat me down. Now, keep in mind, I wasn't grown at that point. It went different if I'd have been grown, trust. But she's crying at the table, and I, I'm 15 years old. This, this is the end of when he left. This is right before he left forever because I meant what I told her. I, she's crying. I, told, I come up to her and I say, don't worry, Mom. I'm, they got me. I have my weight set in my bedroom that they had bought me. And I said, don't worry, Mom. I'm working out hard every day. And soon enough, I'll be big enough to kill him and he won't bother us no more. Now, if your 15-year-old child gives you that speech, get them some therapy. And get that person out of the house that's pushed them to that point. That, that, but that was my childhood. I told y'all, this is a man I saw take off his Navy belt and with the buckle in, hit my sister in the face and gash her face open and bloody her face. And the only crime that she had was she was trying to get him off me before he killed me, okay? So I know about abuse and I know about hate and I know about rage and I know about violence and I know about wanting to pay folk back. I preached his funeral last week. Not because I wanted to, but because he asked me to while he was alive. And typically somebody asks me to do something that involves some sort of ministry, I'm going to say yes. And I can tell you this. There was no desire and never has been any desire in my heart to see that man go to hell. No desire. This man caused me more pain than any human being in my life. The, I, I would say 90% or better of all dysfunction I've ever had as a human being directly tied to this one man. I don't want to see him go to hell. How many people can say they want to see somebody go to hell? That you, I don't believe you can be truly saved if you want to see somebody go to hell. That I do not believe you're a Christian. If that's your heart's desire, you don't understand God, and you really don't understand hell. There's no coming back from hell. There's There's nobody who... You 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 want to say they deserve it? Okay, well, on the big scheme, everybody deserves it, but nobody should have to get it. Okay, it it it's like you know, um, Dina and every, all, all her family. My mom came over to the house when I had the big house on the lake one year. I don't know if it was just a meal, Thanksgiving, Christmas, something. One of my kids was acting crazy, and I took them into the bedroom and I spanked their butt. And I came back and the tension was high. You could have cut the air with a knife. They were all upset. They didn't want to see, they didn't see it, they heard it. You know, kids screaming like I'm killing him. Uh, I come out and everybody's looking at me, you know, like like, you know, I'm I'm Jack the Ripper or somebody. And my mom's all tearing, teary-eyed up. And I'm like, I better not see you shed no tear. The way you beat me as a child, I spanked that child on his butt with a belt. And, and nobody wanted to see. Them get spanked, even though they deserved it, because they knew that that was spanking was for real. All right. Now, when I spank my kids, I spank them for with a purpose. All right. That's a different message for a different time. But I don't want to see anybody go to hell. No matter what they've done to me, no matter what they've done to you, that is not something that Christian people wish on others. We we got we got to not want that. Well, if you believe that hell is real and you don't want anyone to go there, you need to get more urgent about inviting people to come to the Lord's house for his party. We're having a party Sunday at 10 30. It's Easter. There's no easier time to invite people to come to church than Easter. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna buy their kids new clothes, they're gonna have Easter baskets, they, they're gonna be hopefully saying something about Jesus. You need to get more urgent. God said, go out into the highways and hedges. Drag the ditches and force them to come in. Compel them. Urgently invite them. Let them know it's important. Don't take no for an answer. I ain't saying knock them over the head with a bat and drag them in here. But anything short of that. yeah doing lo- we have got to understand heaven is real and hell is real and the only people with a roadmap to heaven are christians all roads don't lead to heaven jesus said I'm the only way and no other way to get to heaven than by jesus christ and i want you to compel somebody to come with you sunday not just this sunday next sunday too Not just Sunday, Wednesday too. We need to be in church. We need to come and fellowship with the saints. We need to come and give God honor and put our mind on Christ. We need the encouragement of seeing other people struggling and having hardships so we know that we ain't the only ones going through stuff. We don't have time. And I don't want to embarrass anybody. But what if I asked everybody to name by name the last person you invited to come to church? And here's what I would get from people who've been around for a long time. See, I know all these answers I've been doing this for a long, long time. People say, well, Pastor, you know, everybody I know goes to church. Everybody, everybody I know, I've already invited to church. You invite them again. Urge them to come. Let them, be praying for them. If I asked you, tell me by name, who's the last person you invited to come to church with you? Most people wouldn't have a name. And I understand many people say, well, I've already invited everybody I know, and everybody I know is in the church. I live at the church. I get that. But there's a world full of people out there. There's a world full of people out there. You need to speak up for the Lord. I'm annoyed by the whole sneezing thing. I really am. Don't, don't expect me to say God bless you when you sneeze. And I've had people say, oh, well, God bless me. Thanks a lot. Well, is, it, is it written in the Bible like I say God bless you when you sneeze? That, 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 that comes from bad theology anyway. German monks taught that the sneeze was evil spirits being expelled out of your body, and you had to say God bless you quickly before they gained re entry. How stupid does that sound? But it's customary in America, somebody sneezes, I literally, this God's having truth. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I, I have lied in my lifetime, but I ain't lying now. I was in the bank. A person sneezed. Three people turned around and yelled at him. The person was over, on the, over in the side of the office. People standing in line. Uh, three people turned around and yelled, God bless you, at this person. And I'm thinking, well, that's awful, Bo. You're so, determined to, you, you, you're so determined to say, God bless you, on a sneeze to a total stranger you don't know anything about. But when it comes up to saying something to somebody pumping gas on the other side of the pump from you, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not that bold, Pastor. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm more shy than that. Why, why can you bring up God bless you to a stranger in line at, at Walmart when they sneeze, but you can't hand somebody uh, an invitation to come to church that we pay money to print up? You say, everybody I know, I've already invited to church. Take some of your invited cards and invite some folk. Get involved in evangelism. God is concerned with souls, and we need to get more people coming in here to hear this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be full. Verse 24, and I'm done. He said, for I say unto you that none of the men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. He said, none of them people that I invited that didn't come ever going to eat with me in heaven. If you don't go to the marriage supper of the lamb, your only alternative is hell forever. And Jesus said, none of those people. You've invited people to church, they told you no. No. You've tried to share your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who've rejected it and told you no. You need to get a sense of urgency about you that says, that's my cousin. I, I, I can't sleep at night knowing they're going to hell. I, 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 can't, I can't rest knowing that my, my spot in heaven is secure and, and they're still out there living how they're living. I need to get up and pray for them. You need to find creative ways to get this gospel message out to people because this thing is real. And there's a judgment day coming. And there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And we need to take this thing more seriously. When I first got saved, I was so burdened for everyone I knew. I, I, I started going to, to places and, and and looking people up that I knew. Names that come to my mind, I'm like, I got to go see if, if he knows the Lord. I asked my mom, what, what's, what's grandma's phone number? I didn't really have a close relationship with my grandmother, but... I was praying, and I was reading the Word, studying, and I realized, I don't know if my grandmother's going to heaven, and that bothered me. Shouldn't it bother you? Shouldn't it bother you? I called my grandmother on the phone. She started crying. She told me that she loved the Lord. She was saved. She talked about her salvation testimony. She told me that God had told her that one of her grandchildren was going to grow up to be a pastor and and that I was the last hope because I was the youngest. So I thought, well, now, it ain't going that far, lady, but I just didn't want you to go to hell. None of those people that were invited that didn't come get to eat at the supper. So we need to make sure. Look at Dina making it easy on y'all. Dina just went out and got a whole bunch of invitations. You can take one of these and you, you put it on your neighbor's door. They don't know you kind of community we live in right now, you ain't talk to your neighbor ever. They don't know you go to church. They don't know where you go to church. You put that on their car windshield, they don't know where it came from. But, no, they see you Sunday. Day. Be like They'll be glad you invited them. 92% of people surveyed that don't go to church said that they would go if somebody invited them. How crazy is that? We live in a world where church attendance is declining and the people that don't come said they'd come if somebody would just bother to invite them. We got to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Don't let God be angry at you. Don't be making excuses when you're supposed to be the one out there inviting people to come to the party. Don't not come to the party. And don't not invite people to come with you. So what do we see? It's our job to show up and to invite people. When we don't show up, when we don't invite people, the Father is angry. You wonder why life's going, how it's going? People talk about if, if mom ain't happy, nobody ain't happy. Listen, if God, the Father, is not happy, ain't nobody happy. God is in charge. We need to learn to do what he says so we can have the blessing that he wants to give us. And I want you to remember this last verse. Those people that were invited to come and chose not to will never taste of the Lord's Supper. What does it do to you? You think about your wayward children that don't follow Christ. That bother you? Parents that ain't saved. Friends that ain't saved. Last story I'll give you and I'm done. One of the greatest soul winners I ever met in my life was Dr. Harold Hudson, a pastor of the Westside Baptist Church on Herlong Road. He's not there anymore. But this dude, he just witnessed to everybody. He went total strangers to Christ all the time. And he preached a message one time of why do I tell everyone? Because he literally, that was and, and people say, well, he's a pastor. He's supposed to do that. Now, pastors don't have to do it anymore more than anybody else. Pastors can just sit in their office, preach their messages, and go on about their business. This dude was in it when it came to sharing his faith. And he told a story about his sister and being there at her bedside when she died. And he had shared his faith with her many times. And he was a pastor, and, and you know, she was living in the world and unsaved. And the room was filled up with people as she was dying. He said, and it it became so intense in the room as she began screaming my name. Harold, they're dragging me down. Harold, they're dragging me down. Harold, it's hot. Harold, it's hot. And she died while screaming. The Bible don't say, you know, when you get to see hell. It does say they drag you down. The Bible says the angels came and carried the rich man into, into paradise. And they drug that other dude. Or they carry they beggar into paradise. They drug that rich man down into hell. And he said every day since that day. He has made his point to find somebody to share Christ with. Because he, he realized at that point this hell thing is real. And it's serious. And I don't want one more person that I know to go there. We need to be those who believe that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. We need to be those ones that God doesn't get angry at because we don't show up. And we need to be those ones that honor God by doing what he told us to do and go out into the highways and hedges and find somebody, anybody, and drag them into church so that they don't have to go to hell. Don't want anybody to do that. Pray for the people that you love. Pray that they will receive Christ before it's too late. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us and for inviting us to your supper. Thank you, God, for allowing us to come and to celebrate our love for you. Thank you for paying the price for us so that we could have eternity in heaven. God, I pray that you would create an urgency in us, that we would go out and tell the world that you love them. And that you've made a way that they could go to heaven forever too. Father, I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to compel people to come in. That your house may be full. We want to honor you, God. And we want to make sure that all the people that we know, and even the ones that we don't, get to experience your supper and your heaven. We thank you, God, for allowing us to be in. And we pledge to come and to bring people in Jesus' name. Amen. Loving God, loving people.